Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey, it's Ben here, and in addition to this podcast, I also teach Microsoft Excel online. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access to the course. Stay tuned after the episode for a little bit more information as to why it's so important to improve your Excel skills and unlock your inner Excel ninja. Thanks. Hey there, friends of failure. This is uh, Ben Currier here, and I'm talking with this week's guest, Nate Rifkin. Hey, Nate, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, maybe uh, some highlights of your storied past before we get into more of the failures? Sure. I'll just, just do the light, the light sprinkling of failure before we really dive in. Uh, I mean, this, the, the super short 10,000 view version is that um, I dropped out of college. I tried starting my own business went bankrupt, had just went, and before that, just went to tremendous amounts of debt, include credit card debt, IRS debt, all of it like personal. And then I was drinking alcohol every morning or like around that time. And I, I was doing a lot of self-help stuff. So it wasn't working. And then I started diving into more like this of my spiritual side of my life. And I started to slowly turn things around. I felt good. And then I was able to like put my life back together, but, but not before working as a sign spinner on a street corner, waving around a sign for $10 an hour, getting like yelled at by people driving by. Actually, mostly that job was pretty fun. Then I loaded trucks for a living for like, it was like 12 hour shifts, unloaded trucks. One of my shifts was like 18 hours long. And, um, yeah, and eventually like, but during all this time, I was, I was doing what I could to like revive my career and take a different, different path. And eventually, um, actually I broke through and I I got a, I got a better job and that turned into a career, which turned into self-employment, which turned into me being like a full-time writer. And here I am today, actually happily married about seven, we were married about seven months ago. And living in a house and talking talk with you today. So I went through quite a storm. <laughs> now I'm just having fun telling about it because people are just like, what? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what did you go to college for originally? You said you dropped out? Yeah. Um, I went to college. I, I specialized in or I majored in exercise science, which every time I told that to people, they're just like, you're gonna teach a gym class or something? I'm like, no, it's to be like a personal trainer or, or a gym owner or something like that. Cause I wanted to, I wanted to be an entrepreneur somehow and I loved health and fitness. So I figured, okay, that's what I'll major. In. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I imagine that was pre getting into the alcohol heavily, right. Or at least yeah, that doesn't jive with the health benefits No stuff you're just talking about. So I imagine you kind of pivoted pendulum swung the other way when you dropped out. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah, because um, when I dropped out, I was kind of like full of high hopes. I was like, sure, I may be leaving college, but I could still be an entrepreneur. No one's going to care if I have a degree or not. The trouble is I had like no business training. I, I had kind of, I could, I picked up a knack for like advertising and writing and marketing, but no business fundamentals. And my 
per, and I mean, personally, I was just in a really bad state. I was, a, I was like a depressed, this is in my early twenties. So I was, I'll call myself a kid. I was a depressed kid and I was also very lonely and the deeper I got into debt and the more I just felt like I was just a total loser. That's when I started drinking because it, it was just my way to numb myself out. Yeah. No, I mean, I've done, I've done the exact same thing and, you know, sometimes go back into addictive behaviors, depending on the time of year or what's going on in my life. Right now, I'm actually pretty proud because I just, well, it's going to sound dumb. I'm proud because I told my car, my car is now wrecked. I got a new car, but the point is I have a lot of uh, neck and back pain mm. and I have not uh, sought out any sort of uh, giant medications to help me or I, my addictive behavior wants to definitely placate the pain. Oh, that's cool. Power through a lot of it because it's, it's tough. It can be easy to fall back on some of those habits that uh, aren't so great, especially when there's nothing stopping yourself besides you, really. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, thank you. Uh, so you dropped out. Um, you went your own way. I think kind of like me, you have a weird amount of self-confidence without there being something to back it up, at least uh, from a public perception standpoint. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah, that was, yeah, absolutely. That's kind of it. It's, it's, and it, people are, some people are just like, that's so great. Well, that sort of, it, it can lead to some disaster. Yeah. So did you have sort of like an internal battle with, uh, you know, well, I, I think I should be doing a lot better than I am, but clearly just by all the metrics of life, I'm not quite there. How, how did you kind of reconcile that inner versus outer stuff? Oh, I, I absolutely did. At first, I could limp along and just be like, well, it's going to happen soon because I, I was still very young. So I was like, oh yeah, it's, it's totally going to happen soon. And I'm going to, I'm setting these goals. I'm doing this is going to be great. But as time went on and I started like running out of reasons I, and I started running out of stories I could tell myself, that's when you could say my, the real, the, the real version of the events was kind of crashing through my psyche and that's that's where I started getting very jaded and bitter about kind of the the self help industry and the self help realm because you know they promise do this you know do this and your thoughts of these kind of magical powers and it's going to work you know and if it doesn't work just you know buy buy this other course or do this other thing and this other thing would involve like following a, a teacher and, and you know going to the next retreat or something like that so. I think there's a lot of value in all that stuff, but I was wrapped up where I was constantly like reaching out and hoping for something in the future. So yeah, when my version of like reconciling all that was like a train, two trains wrecking into each other. And that's, that's when I just started becoming very jaded and just very, I felt very betrayed. And that's, that's probably around the time where I started drinking a lot more because Eventually, my mindset was, well, it's all just luck. It's luck and hard work. So I'll just work hard. And drinking alcohol in the morning won't stop me from working hard necessarily. So that's how it kind of skewed my perception got. Yeah, I, I've had the same kind of problem with self-help. I, I've, uh, I've been a self-help junkie in terms of like reading all sorts of things. And I, I was realizing I'm not putting anything into practice. I'm not doing any of the things. I know all the right answers, but for some reason, I can't get myself to do anything along or at least like you know i can tell myself good things i can manifest whatever the hell you want to talk about but it wasn't creating things in real life which is kind of when i decided to go the other way and embrace the failure 
part because I knew I could do that. Well, I could fuck things up a bunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then get better by doing that because that's really the only way I've learned is by doing things the wrong way. And I'm hoping that maybe other people can learn from our mistakes, but a lot of times you just got to keep doing things the wrong way until you figure out the right way. And so, but like you were saying, some of those uh, self-help things can help certain people. I think for people like you and I, who might have more difficulty, I at least had to get past instead of uh, like a overwhelming positivity, I had to like embrace negativity as part of who I am because it's, it's really meaning like uh, flip it and take the pain out of the, the existence that I was in because in order to really be okay with where you're at, especially if you're saying, telling everyone how amazing you are, but at the same time, you don't have anything to back that up with. I, I was like, okay, well, maybe I can come at people from underneath them, you know, and say, hey, I'm the number one failure. So now let's talk about what I might've learned. And I'm not talking down to you because there's no way I can be at, at least hopefully talking down to you because it can come across, especially when you're a straight white man who theoretically shouldn't have anything in this way. It can feel like you're not able to talk without feeling like you're talking down to somebody, you know, and I can't help but not uh, sound that way, but I want to talk up to everyone. Yeah. I mean, and that's why whenever I, 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 I like go write or go on or go on a, a podcast or something, my mindset is always like, well, here's what happened to me. You know, Here, here's what I learned because if I didn't go through it, and if I didn't actually learn something, then I'm like you, I'm just like you said, I'm just kind of, well, I'm just mansplaining or something like that. <laughs> I just, I just like yeah. pulling stuff out of my ass, just like, oh yeah, sure. No, no, you should do it this way. You should do it this way. It's like, let me just tell how I screwed up and what I learned. Cause I think there's some value there. Yeah. When they say money can't buy happiness and it's like, uh, well, I got to try first because <laughs> I'm not going to believe it. You know, <laughs> I was, I was big on that. Oh, I was huge on that. Because every time I heard, it's like, well, you know, you're not going to be ever. It's like, please, I will find out. I will report back to you. No, I'll take, I'll take the hit. I'll, t- I'll take one for the team. <laughs> was there, was there a moment where you actually? I know you got into, and we haven't really talked about. You got into Taoism, right? Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And you yeah. tried to flip things around, but, uh, but how, how long were you in this period of searching for things before you think you? Uh, found what you need to like how many how many years or months or weeks whatever it was from uh you know when you dropped out to when you started really putting things back together probably five years and that's rough that's just off the top of my head yeah. so that's that's gonna it's around three to five or six years and so it was a long slog i mean this because i you think uh, actually uh, so he's not he wasn't a mentor he was just a guy he was a guy in his 50s i met when I was like 20 and he was at, he was actually generally very uh, a successful businessman. He told me, Nate, things are always going to take longer than you think when it comes to like building a business or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I, of course I, I looked at him, I was like, well, maybe they could also go faster than, than you think. <laughs> he was smart. He was a pretty smart guy. He just looked at me. He's just like, he just smiled. And that was it. And I, and looking back, I'm like, you were right, sir. <laughs> Should have listened. So yeah, yeah, around five years. And so, and it can take some time, even just admitting to yourself what's going on. I mean, so my background, I did get a college degree. I went and I got my master's and everything. So I could have all sorts of things to back up, you know, unlike you, where you're saying you didn't have like credentials and things, I could at least say, Hey, well, you know, here's some stuff that I did, but Mm -hmm. it never felt like any of those things were 
or gearing me up towards what actually life is like, you know, like my master's degree, I learned almost nothing about the business that I would be working in. For example, I, I teach Microsoft Excel because that's the mm-hmm. program I'd use, but I learned almost none of it in all of my college career and to spend so much money and still be paying it off and not learn the things that you do every day. It's just crazy how much you can mentally take a college degree and just because someone has one, put them up on a higher pedestal, even though I might not have given them the right kind of training or the right kind of, uh, you know, insight and someone who might not have had any of that could know a lot more because they were working in an actual business or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so I know you said you didn't feel like you had much of the business fundamentals. You had more confidence, but it seems like you at least were working through some things and trying to find out what life is really like by living it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was, I certainly, certainly had, it was certainly kind of a five-year train wreck, but the whole time I was picking up stuff. And, and I, th- I think that's true for everyone. When, when we look back on like the last five, 10 years or 15 years, we can start putting together pieces of like, well, that was a pretty rough time, but I did put, get this puzzle piece. That was also a really rough time, but I kind of put this together. It, that's a cool kind of mindset to have. Like you said, just like, well, yeah, you were kind of getting this and getting this because then you can turn around and look to the next 15 years and at least be like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I suspect based on my past results, I'm going to be putting together some more cool puzzle pieces. So, so yeah, I mean, I, uh, it, it'll be cool to share a bunch of failure stories on the on the show, but you're abs- you're absolutely right. I was kind of like learning things here and there, and and like like that guy said back in the day, things take longer than you expect. But there, there it's it's like in nature. There's going to be this period before spring where you think it's all barren and lifeless, and it it could be very frustrating and cold. But all of a sudden in spring, boom stuff will blossom. And it's like, oh, finally something happened. It's like, well, there's a there's a preparatory period the entire time. So it's 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 completely within within the bounds of nature for, for this sort of thing to happen. Yeah. And I like what you're saying about the the puzzle pieces thing. And whenever I uh do something that has any sort of success related to it, I try to think of what past failures led me to not mess this one up because then Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. At least, you know, you kind of uh, can can pinpoint some of the things that you went through that at least now are providing some value to you. But uh, but yeah. w- of those other jobs you had when you were spinning a sign, what were you spinning a sign for? What was the business, like the type of business, income tax thing? I see those people. <laughs> oh, yeah. With the, with the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. There's yeah. a couple of guys doing that, like down the road from us. No, it was uh, it was a store that like it was one of those like we'll buy your like gold, silver coin stores. <laughs> um, and it was, it was, yeah, there was like a few locations and well, the funny part is I didn't even know what it was. All I saw was a Craigslist ad that said like, Hey, you know, listen to music all day. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I could do that. And audiobooks too, um, you know, spin a sign full time. And I'm like, full time. You got me. <laughs> I'm, I'm yours. It's a yes. <laughs> I was like, please, please hire me. So yeah, that, so that's what it was. So I had a sign that said like, we buy gold and I wore a costume that looked like a, well, it was supposed to look like a hundred dollar bill, but there was so much car exhausted fumes. It was just like this disgusting smock. I had a car, I had a car with this lady like shout out. It's like, your costume's really dirty. And I looked down, I'm like, yeah, you're right. So I, I told management 
And they actually got a brand new one within like the next day, you know, the manager like dropped it off. I'm like, oh, this is great. So I put it on, I go outside, the same car drives by the lady. She doesn't say anything. She just like gives me a thumbs up. I'm like, <laughs> yes, nailed it. That's awesome. And so how long do you end up doing that for? I, I couldn't imagine doing that for that amount of time, but I'm also very resistant to physical work. And I couldn't do the truck loading for sure. I would rather spin a sign. It's hard for me to trade uh, physical labor for money because I am so uh, I'm not uh, the most physically fit, or at least I don't work out a lot. So I'm, I'd rather use my mind, I say, but I really need to start figuring out how to use more of my whole being because uh, you know it's you spend your whole life working out one muscle, but you ignore everything else, and then uh, you realize where you're lacking. And so and I'm trying to get into the health, yeah, uh, stuff because I gotta live, you know. No, that's cool. And especially because one thing I found out is that by working a job like a, like spinning signs, I saved some of my, it was like I could I could burn money and then go home and I'd still actually be primed up to work on my own business or, or network or, or work on my own career because I wasn't really mentally exhausted. But like you're asking, um, when I first got, and I did, I did get the job. So when I got the job, I was, I was thinking to myself, well, this will just be like three months or something. I'm just going to like use this to get back on my feet, but things take longer than you expect. <laughs> and that, yeah, that turned into eventually turned almost three years. Now, some of that time, not much, but uh, several months near the end, I was, I was promoted. So I was, I was doing other stuff within the company, but yeah, that was almost three years of, uh, maybe it was like pure sign spinning it was like two, two and a half years outside. And yeah, it, it was rough. You know, you, you have to stand yeah, and move and move if you can't stand still. <laughs> so, but people would either, they, if they're hired, they would quit within a day or quit within an hour, or they would stay on. And, and well, until a lot of them were fired months later because there's some <laughs> weird people, but it was, it was one of the, there was no in between. It was one or the other yeah. because yeah, if you couldn't take it, you couldn't take it. But if you could, it was just like, yeah, sure. I'll stand out here. Listen to headphones all day. No problem. Yeah. And you can, like you're saying though, the mental exhaustion thing, I, I feel like my problem with, and I've had a lot of uh, debt, credit card issues, whatever, financial problems, despite going to school for finance. But I think uh, working in it, yeah. <laughs> like working in finance, I'd get home. I was so mentally exhausted from finance that I wouldn't want to put any of that energy towards my own finances. So I would just let that go wild because I was so tapped out. And so I think what you're saying about yeah, not at least mentally exhausting some of the things you're working on probably led you to to brainstorm, think about things you could do. And then when you were off, you could at least yeah. start working on things little by little. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In fact, I mean, I'll never know if uh, taking a different path would have worked out uh, better. It certainly would have worked out differently, but I resisted getting a more uh, a mentally challenging job. And I, cause I, I was, I was trying to be very as strategic as I could, which is part of why I ended up a sign spinner for so long is that I knew that if, if I wanted to make a go of say, I, well, let's just say accounting or something like that. I, it's not just, I can't just like leap into that. There's a preparatory period of studying, of going to school, of, and, and just, well, it's, it's what we do starting as late teenagers going into our 20s. So I, I realized I, I don't want to start all that over and I can't go halfway. So I realized I'd better stick with 
simple labor jobs. That was my mindset. Ultimately worked out, but but that was my mindset. You're right to to uh, to avoid that kind of just burnout because uh, that would have been that would have just destroyed me. And at this point, were you doing any writing, or when did you uh, start getting into writing? Like when did that become an outlet for some of this? I've always I've always loved writing, and I realized that the only I, it took a while during all this. I slowly realized that of everything I'd ever tried in my kind of entrepreneurial journey, writing was the only thing that one, uh, I really enjoyed Two, that people told me I was good at. And three had some kind of positive effect when it came to generating revenue. So, so looking back, you'd think, you know, well, th- this is this is pretty clear cut. But it, when you're when you're in your when you're in the midst of your own life, it's it's really tough to kind of see through the fog and realize where your where your true skill sets lie. Which is where I I unfortunately didn't do this, but it's where other people's feedback can be so valuable. But uh, it, it was it was after it was in the midst of like sign spinning throughout this like two two and a half year thing where I realized okay writing is where it's at. So maybe instead of being a business owner, maybe I could like make a, a career out of it. So when I wasn't spinning my side, I would at least kind of do some kind of quasi networking. This is getting near the end of my sign spinning mm-hmm. journey where it's like, well, let me, let me at least get more active on like LinkedIn or something, or let me meet a few people locally. Uh, I was living in a, a, a little bit east of Denver at the time. Yeah. So I just moved from Aurora. Over to here, so I imagine you were somewhere. I was in Aurora. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that's where I just was. That's awesome. No kidding. And I didn't know where I was going, so I'm in Kansas City, Missouri, right now. But uh, I lived in Denver for like seven years, maybe. Oh wow, you were probably yeah, you're probably right around where I was. That's so yeah, that's so cool. So yeah, I mean, and you remember like in two, this is in 2000, like 11 to 2014. So I mean, I, I searched for a condo in Aurora, and I. I could, you could get places pretty cheap back then. Crazy now. It's insane now. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I could repeat the same kind of journey that I did today in the Denver area, but when I was a sign spinner, I could actually afford uh, a condo in Aurora and, li- and live by myself and have, and be able to actually save like $30 a week. So, so that's another thing I did during all this is like, I'm like, I'm going to be as cheap as I can. Like I yeah. never, I never even went out to a movie or anything like that, but it was, it, but it felt great. Yeah. Did you have good role models when it came to finance growing up? No. Well, actually, no, I take that back. Sort of. My father actually was pretty good with his finances, but we had such a, a such a distant relationship that I really had no idea. I mean, we had barely, barely any kind of relationship and my parents divorced when I was seven and I lived with my mom. And she certainly tried, but not a lot, not the same, you know, financial um, acumen. And, and also it was just, you know, when the parents are divorced and, and I was living with uh, the, the non-breadwinner, it, 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 things are really rough. I mean, she essentially had to start, she had to start a career from scratch. So I, and I, and I was, I got old enough at the time that it was, it was terrifying. To me, it was just like there was no foundation to our household, and it was a pretty, it was it was a very loveless family anyway. So I kind of got programmed with that fear, with that, and and with that discomfort around finances. So um, 
yeah, it was, it wasn't until I, I, I actually went bankrupt and became a sign spinner that I, I really got mature about my personal finances. So <laughs> that that's the wake up call it took for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've got a similar issue where uh, I find that so I'm, I was raised by a single mom who got divorced as well. She, you know, living in a state of kind of uncertainty around finances and what was going to happen and just trying to figure out why, what my issues were with it. But I know that I've caught myself saying things like I hate money and yeah. which is hard to want to earn money and I hate it at the same time. It's hard to work towards getting this thing that you don't like. So changing my perceptions around finances is one of the struggles of, of even myself and also getting pat, like I hate selling things. I hate business. I see, I say I hate too much too. the word hate, but what I, what I'm trying to do is just uh, emphasize just how much it got like dug its way into my mind and made it so that it was hard to get past some of those things to try to, well, if I'm working in business, but I hate business, what, what does that mean? Well, who, who am I and why am I doing it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And that's some great awareness because before this, and so going back to like pre-sign spinning, when I was probably around the time I was drinking every morning and I, I was at this time I was living in Boulder and I would have like a credit card bill show up and all I had to do was just pay the minimum payment. But it got to the point where I would get, I'd have the envelope and I'd set it down on, on the floor. I didn't even have like a table. Uh, it's not like bare. I mean, part of that was just me. I was just, I was just weird like that. Um, and then I'd have other mail. I mean, I don't know. I forget what it was. It could have been a credit card offer or something like that. And oh, what did I do? I would stack it on top of the bill. So the bill was literally out of sight and therefore out of mind. This is how disconnected I was. And if you had asked me, I would have been like, oh, yeah, I, I definitely want to be successful. And it's just like, but underneath that was was this discomfort and this disregard. And this this it was probably a lot of hatred, too, of, of dealing with the basics of, of finances, which I, th- I think also kind of manifested itself as just like, well, I'm, I'm you know, I don't have to worry about that. I'm just going to be an entrepreneur and it all I'll take care of it later. You know, it doesn't matter because if I'm going to be because because I I have belief in myself. So if, if therefore, if I'm going to eventually be this super successful entrepreneur, I, I don't have to worry about this stuff. And it was just I had it so backward. So, uh, it, it, yeah. So so what I did eventually after I went bankrupt is like, OK, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to like start over. I, I called it like my financial baptism. I really, I mean, I use that term jokingly, but I was kind of serious about the idea of it. Yeah. So I'm like, I thought to myself, you know, everything I did before was like completely wrong. It must have been. <laughs> I mean, nothing worked. So I am just going to just move the needle to the complete opposite. And I am going to, number one, like save 10% of my money per week. Because uh, at the as a science spinner is getting a, a weekly direct deposit, and I I, mo- I moved into the cheapest condo I could find. I budgeted like thirty dollars a week for food. I got like a it was a Sam's Club membership, so I went to Sam's Club or Walmart. They were right next to each other, so it was fine. And I I, I was still able to pay for gas for my car, uh, pay the car insurance, and then save thirty bucks a week. And sometimes I even gave to uh, charity. But I kind of got. Uh, 
jaded on that because I, I would start getting like hundreds of charity letters in the mail. So I realized where my money was going. But the, the and uh, in addition to that, when I was a sign spinner, I was outside, I would find pennies. And sometimes when I was, got lucky, nickels and dimes and quarters on the ground. So I would pick them up and I would, I would bring them home. And I remember I had a little like mantelpiece by the door and I'd stack them. And I would just say to myself, it's like, look, I'm finding money out of the blue and I'm saving 30 bucks a week. So all the stuff that I wanted to attract, I'm actually doing. Now, and I, I don't care if it's only 30 bucks a week, I'm actually doing it. So I got to program, I, I found like this hack to like reprogram my mind because it wasn't a matter of like, all right, I'm going to convince myself that I can, I can be okay with money. I'm going to convince myself that I can build wealth. No, I, I just skipped straight to, oh, I'm doing it. So my brain couldn't argue with that. Yeah. And it can be tough for me. I need to to feel the pain of not having something in order to really respect it. And I wouldn't say I chose to be financially terrible uh, with my own life, but it definitely was a way of getting to the point where I have to take it seriously. And there's really no way to get beyond it besides having to face a lot of those things that you've been avoiding with your own personal dealings with it. I'm not even through all of it. I'm not from the other side saying it. I'm like certainly within it. So mm -hmm. I'm, I, I'm still trying to figure out how to change my view of, of whether it's, you know, when you sell something to somebody, as long as they're getting more value than they're giving you, shouldn't you be happy with that? Like, shouldn't that be a good trade? And won't they be good with it? Like being comfortable with, with even the, the things you're putting out there into the world. And I think uh, I'm interested to hear with, when it came to writing, how'd you deal with the lag from when you're doing the writing to when you get the feedback of the good things and the praise from it? Cause there's a lot of lag time between when you actually put the words on paper and when someone reads it and gets back to you, was there like a, a flow of earlier praise from other things that kept you going on the current thing you're working on? Or how'd you deal with the, the kind of lack of immediate feedback? You know, that's a great question. I do. I've, I've always done a couple things and I started, I sort of did them kind of unconsciously, but now I'm, I'm more aware. I was very, 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 very careful about who would actually see my writing. Um, and I am to this day. I mean, some people, I never like for, I'm not big on social media, but I would never really publish any kind of writing on social media until I'm already done. I, I have a, I have a very, very tight knit inner circle of people that I'll show any kind of draft to. And th these are people whose opinion I respect, but more importantly, I know, uh, well, actually not more importantly, just e equally vital yeah. is that I know they're very kind people and that they are, they want me to succeed and they care more about my success than their own feeling of being right. So that's, that's crucial. The, the way to deal with that lag that I've always done is I have like a protective bubble. Like I'm, I'm, I'm super big on like uh, uh, building stuff in secret. I, you know, I'm super big on, channeling the energy into the actual doing rather than letting anyone know about it because I'm very careful for how they're going to react and how that's going to affect my really my delicate confidence and my delicate concentration on any kind of project. So I mean because I've, I've read stuff where it's just like well for accountability and building good habits like tell people so that they'll that you know you might feel embarrassed if you don't do it. That never worked for me. 
if it works for someone else, that's great. I don't want to argue with what works for him. Yeah. But me? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I avoid that like the plague. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, for, for me, the same kind of thing is uh, when I have pressure put on me from external people, I kind of buck that with a resistance to uh, other people telling me what to do. And so mm-hmm. w- doing what you're saying and like putting stuff out there so that I'm held accountable by other people, it doesn't really work as well for me because I got to convince myself yeah. to do it, you know, and, and like what you're saying about uh, being protective of things, you know, a lot of times people can think that they're uh, spending too much time polishing something to perfection. So you can kind of overdo it with some of the keep things trapped. Yeah. But I definitely agree that until you know what you want to say, anything with creativity and whatnot, you got to kind of be protective of what is going on with it because it can be very, like you were saying, it's a delicate thing to, to flourish into existence and to kind of give life to, and it can be easily uh, hampered by, you know, negative criticism and things like that. So it's good to have constructive criticism from people you actually believe want you to succeed, like you're saying, because otherwise it can come across as, uh, you know, feedback that you didn't want to hear. Whereas if you're open to receiving it and you actually trust these people, you might be able to convince yourself that what they're saying is right and change some of those things. Because with writing or putting yourself out there or doing anything can be tough understanding what you want your story to be versus what you want like because people only have so much time to understand who you are i only in you know looked into who yeah. you are for a certain amount of time but you got to kind of condense a lot of those things so people can understand especially with the short attention span these days what is what's useful about you what is what can they gain from listening to you versus are you just going to talk their ear off for no reason because a lot of people just you know like to hear themselves talk so it's good to hear that you're at least want to make sure that what you're putting out there is is useful to people and also reflects what you want to say to the world. Yeah. And I think I think a a big sort of foundation of everything you just said is is self-honesty. One of my teachers is uh, uh, Dr. Diego San Miguel. He he's big on the the answer to a lot of like navigating this stuff is is honesty with yourself. For instance, like when you mentioned getting getting feedback from others and and kind of refining a project versus uh delaying it out of out of like you could say perfectionism or just kind of like delaying something the honesty comes in because you can ask yourself does this really need to be refined more because i just want to put out the a, a certain level of quality or is fear kind of slithering its way in there because it can it could be Fear is so tricky. It's very smart. It can it can convince you of all kinds of stuff. So that's that's where you have to like overwhelm it with self honesty. And it's the same with with learning about yourself and what actually is your best mo to thrive. Is it is it letting people know what you what you're up to, or like you said, is that going to set up a, a mechanism where all of a sudden you're butting up against your own natural impulse to, you know, do your own thing. It's like, well, don't, you know, don't remind me to do this, buddy. I, I, I do what I want. So the self-honesty comes in because it's just like, well, if this, if this is sort of my MO, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to like battle against my own nature. Instead, I'm going to come up with a system that actually works with it. Like I, I, I'm a similar way. Other people knowing what I'm up to, to hold me accountable, isn't actually going to help me. I'm going to, I'm going to, there's going to be some sort of 
resistance. I don't know what the resistance is going to be exactly every time, but there's going to be resistance. So by being honest with myself about that, I'm going to come up with a system where I'm able to do things without necessarily a lot of people knowing until the very end. So I know I have to be able to motivate myself or, or at least build a habit so that it's, it's kind of in my nature to move forward on something, even when I'm not necessarily feeling like jazzed up to do it. I mean, that's, that's sort of what helped me with, with my, my spiritual path when I started meditating is that, I mean, I started in the mornings for just 60 seconds. And by the time that it was um, really benefiting my life, I built a habit and an identity around it because I did a little bit every day and a little, a little or a lot didn't matter. All my brain registered eventually was that you're doing this every day and you're doing it like right after you take it, you right after you brush your teeth. And it's kind of funny at first I did it right before I started drinking. And I, I don't mean drinking in terms of my life. I mean, in my day, like my schedule, I didn't have a written that yet. At 9 36 a.m. start drinking, but it was like that. It was just like, Shower, brush my teeth, meditate, drink. What's cool, though, is that the good habit of meditating eventually, this just personally would happen to me, it, it kind of overwhelmed my desire to drink in the morning. Um, so it, it was almost like I, I, I used the negative habits power to sort of bolster my good habit uh, until uh, I could take the training wheels off and ditch, ditch the bad habit. So even to this day, I still do that. Like right now I'm, I'm doing certain stretches for my hips and I'm like, I know what, what works for me. I, I got out my phone and I put 60 seconds on the timer and I got down and I, I did the stretch and then I was done. That's it for the day. And I add five seconds a day and I'm like, could I go more? Yeah, I could go more. Will I eventually go more? Probably. But right now I'm like, no, 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 no. All I'm doing is is the set you know time period until I become the until I grow an identity out of it as someone who stretches every day because like Ben I bet if you um if you skip brushing your teeth you'd feel pretty weird like it's just it's so ingrained in our programming it's just like wait no something's off and we have a set time when we do it so there's something special about brushing your teeth. I realized we can kind of do that with, with any, any like little small step that we want to add into our day. Mm -hmm. Is that so for people who are struggling to, because a lot of times with meditation, one of the big things is just getting yourself to do it. Would you say um, regardless of what type of meditation people do, just start making a habit. And even if it's not every day, but like three times a week, whatever it is, come up with a consistency and just do it. Is that what you think would be the best method towards uh, approaching meditation to start with, or what, what would you say is good for people who are on the fence? I would say that, yeah, I would overall agree with you. I would rec, I'd highly recommend daily because I've, I've gotten the best results of programming the habit into my routine with, with daily, because when I do things like three times a week, three becomes two. Yeah which becomes once a week, which eventually just goes, what day is it today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But there's something about like, when I do it daily, then I can like, I can choose a time, not, not a time in terms of the clock, but a time of like, oh, after this, I do this. And before I do this, like it could be check my phone or watch TV or something. Before that, I do this, insert good habit here. And, and for meditating in particular, like, you know, like you mentioned earlier, I, I had a lot of success with the Taoist tradition. And what I love about that form of meditation, I can just I can give a real quick 
kind of uh, quick exercise right here is that they're very big on directing the mind and directing the body. And, and a great way to do that is with deep breathing, breathing into your belly. So you're not just like sitting there. You're not just like looping your thoughts and trying not to think like a dog chasing its tail. Instead, you focus your mind on breathing into the belly and, and directing your attention so you feel your belly. So now you're directing your thoughts and you're directing um, what you want to feel or like, like what's going on in your environment, in your body. Like, what do I, what do I want my brain to actually really focus on? And as a, as a result of that, without even trying, your thoughts will start to quiet down over time. So, yeah, but I would recommend that you make it a habit because I think a lot of people, when they learn meditation, they're just like, they learn it as like, you, you do meditation to get this. Uh, and these days it's like, you, you, it's a, it's a hack or it's a biohacker. Who knows what people are saying about it now? It's like a great way to focus on your, your, you know, so you can, you could build your startup team or something in San Francisco. I don't know, but, but it's just like, it's the power I have found comes from not from doing it for once or for doing it for a week. But if you add it to your day, you'll look back over doing it throughout months and then years and you'll realize, Oh my goodness, it had a profound effect overall on my life that I, I it was hard to even track at the time, but looking yeah. back, it's very clear. So, so that's, that's what I would recommend. One question I have, and I've, I've dabbled in meditation, but de- definitely haven't made it a daily practice yet. What would you say to people who are saying, well, okay, if you're going to just stand there and focus on your belly, uh, you know, for whatever amount of time every day, how could that possibly result in any like what what is the tie between thinking about your stomach and your breathing uh to things in real life happening but what people don't understand or at least think about is is that it's kind of like you're training your brain to operate better and to be less distracted i know that i've got a torrent of of words and thoughts going around in my mind and that just a simple act of of focusing on something that lets you bring your thoughts to a, a low hum or whatever, you know, whatever version of, of getting as quiet as you can mentally is helpful to figure out things that you might not have thought of otherwise and might not have given time to breathe in order to actually like think through some things. But if you're, if you're constantly saying, so, you know, I've got a thought, let me now go back to the breath and not have that thought. How much time do you think of, of doing this? Do you actually start seeing some benefit I know it's going to be different for everyone and it's hard to track a lot of it because it's like you're saying, there's no way to say, Oh, I, I did this thing. And it's because I thought about this one minute a day. Yeah. Is there a good way to track like uh, maybe just journaling uh, your feelings through it? Yeah, there, there's, there's several things. And, and I'm, I'm actually glad, glad you brought up like the skepticism some people may feel because I, I was exactly the same way. I mean, when I first, I, I first learned meditation, but it, it was, I didn't get, have very good resources for it. So, you know, my mindset was just like, after 15 minutes, it's like, not only is this not helping me, I've just wasted 15 minutes of my time. <laughs> so it's terrible. But so here's the thing though, like you said, when, when you breathe into your belly, not only are you redirecting the focus of your thoughts, but you're breathing in such a way that calms down your central nervous system. So now you're reprogramming the way you react to stress. And not only that, your your mind 
or, or actually I should more say your just entire being has a mechanism for resolving past traumas, hurts that might be sabotaging your behavior today. And the key to that processing is the quieting of the mind. Um, and another key to that is the way that you breathe when you breathe deeply, it activates um, smooth muscles in your diaphragm that actually massage your internal organs. And there's there's all kinds of cool stuff if, if you get into like uh, the meridians, you know, that's that have been mapped out by a Taoist and 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 uh, people in traditional Chinese medicine, it gets, it gets pretty wild, but just a simple thing. It has, it has a profound impact on your physical health with your, with the profile of your hormones, which, which has a ripple effect onto the way you think, which has a ripple effect onto how you eventually behave. Um, so it's super cool. It's, it's sort of like trying to change your thoughts. is like at the head of the river and you're trying to like mess with it. When you breathe deeply, meditate, you're going back to like the origin of the river. You're like, okay, let me adjust things here. So there's this knockoff effect. So like you asked though, how long, you know, what can you expect? How long does it take? Um, the cool part is when it comes to changing like your hormone profile, that's immediate. Now, what are you going to feel as a result in terms of tangible benefits? Um, you can feel a lot more calm and focused within just a few minutes. With the caveat that oftentimes when you do a meditative practice, emotional stuff will come up. Like some people report, it's like, well, actually, I started feeling like more anxious. My thoughts got louder. I started getting more frustrated. That's actually a good thing because that's 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 buried stuff. That's those emotions were already in you. Mm-hmm. And at least now they're getting dug up. It's kind of like someone like having a rotten food in the back of their fridge. And then when they clean out the fridge, it's like, oh, this is just disgusting. It's like, well, better than leaving it in there, my friend. So I, I know it's not pleasant. So, but, but I, I really like emphasizing that because the worst thing is when someone does not know that and they actually feel guilty or ashamed or like they're doing something bad or that meditation's bad and they throw out the practice. And it's like, no, no, that's right when it was actually doing something pretty good. So in in my journey, what what I found is that within a few weeks, I started feeling better, which led to less than it like reduced my urge to drink alcohol in the morning. So that was within the first several weeks after several weeks, acquaintances started saying like, there's something different about you. And they did not know about my practice <laughs> going back again about the idea. It's like, I wasn't telling anyone about this. Yeah. <laughs> so after s- several months, I had a, a really amazing experience where I felt like my body was glowing like a like a light bulb and I felt very warm and I felt this tremendous like inner peace. Um, and it was so profound. I, I decided to like dedicate my life to learning more about Taoism and these practices. And I was not that guy. I was not the guy who's like, what? It's like, oh yeah, I, I believe in that kind of crazy stuff. No, it just happened. But the key thing is a lot of people might hear that and be like, oh, cool. I want something like that. You have to keep in mind, this was after several months of, let's, it was like five, six months, I think, something like that. It it wasn't several days of daily practice. I mean, I I, I did not miss a day. I may have started with only 60 seconds, but more crucially, I did not miss a day. And and then just because we're, you know, we're being real on this podcast, 
in terms of actually turning my life around, because like we said, I was in a mess. I was like yeah. in debt on my way to a bankruptcy, on my way to becoming a science spinner. We're talking like three or four years before I could actually look back and be like, I'm I'm on my way up now. This is good. I, I can actually like maybe in a few more years buy a house or something like that. So I know that's not the most fun thing for people to hear where it's like, really? To practically turn your life around after you started meditating, feeling good? It still took years. But I, I had a teacher who was just like, think of an ocean liner out in the middle of the ocean. If it wants to turn around, its arc is going to be miles long, but it can turn around. So when I heard that, and that was when I was loading trucks, it wasn't, it wasn't the most fun message to hear, but it was very relieving. So it, it may take years, but it can't happen. Well, I think uh, what you're saying about it not being quick fix is good because people, that's what everyone wants these days. But literally, yeah. I mean, you're drawing on like thousands of years of people struggling to live and figure out how to live comfortably. And these are some of the best tips we found just through existing, you know, and yeah, certainly with technology nowadays, taking up more of our time and asking for more of our attention probably more important to be taking some of that time back and, and oh, yeah. taking it for yourself. Big time. And you know what? Even if it does take a long time, it's not like zero to, oh, my life has completely changed. I experienced really great breakthroughs throughout and the inner ones came first. And, and, I, and, and it was a great, they were wonderful lessons for me because I realized, and this, again, this goes back to when I was like loading, it was, it was both when I signed spinning loading trucks. If I could get a good night's sleep, and have a good cup of coffee. And the people around me were kind, decent people. I was good. Like I yeah. was good. So, and when, when you're coming from that place, you're much more unstoppable in terms of doing what you want to do because you're coming from a place of like, you know what? I'm already good. And instead of like where I was before, which was like desperately grasping at a result that was just outside of my reach. That's an incredibly powerless state. No, it can be really tough. And I think uh, even no matter what people either assume they will or won't get out of meditation, you, you can't be upset with yourself for trying to make yourself better. I mean, at least no matter what, you're putting time set aside towards improving yourself. I like what you said about the anger management thing, because a lot of times I know uh, when when I feel those emotions come in, it can be hard to push them back and like center myself. And so like, so, you know, certainly a lot of those habits could be helpful, but, uh, but it's really more about using your brain and training your brain to just be a good brain. Like it should be, I mean, like to not feed in the negative habits, whether it's addiction or other things like that. And I think it almost seems like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, were you using like that drink in the morning as a, I'm, I did my meditation. So I reward myself with a drink kind of thing, or how are you, how, how do you do a reward system with yourself? Kind of? <laughs> Well, you know, in that case, the drinking was there already. Okay. Yeah. So it was sort of just, yeah, it was just like, oh, I'm doing this no matter what. But absolutely. Uh, what I like to do is it, it actually is very similar to what I, what I did with drinking because we all have bad habits. Um, somewhere in our day, we have a bad habit. I really love um, starting a new habit as sort of like a system where it's like, okay, if I do this good thing, then I can move on to my bad habit. Like for instance, a great one 
that I think a lot of people can relate to is if you're going to scroll on your phone on social media, because he's like, you know, we'll do it for two minutes. And then like half an hour later, we're just like, well, where did that time go? So I like the idea of like, well, what kind of 60 second thing can you do right before doing that? Where it's, it's something new you want to build into your life. It could be meditation or it could be exercise. It could be one push up. But the idea is that you do that one thing and then it's like, okay, then I can scroll on social media and your brain, your, your mind is going to be like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's no problem. I can do that. That's easy. You know, that's simple. But what you're, what you're secretly plotting, you know, is that within 30 days, you're now going to have a new habit of exercise or meditation. It's there. It might've been only a minute, but it is there. And once it's there, it's almost like a, a, a firmly planted seed in your, in your, uh, in your brain. Now it can start to grow on its own because you're going to decide on your own. Well, if I did one push-up, okay, I'll do two. Now you're off to the races. So that's, that's how I like to kind of back my way into having a reward system. It's like, well, we already have kind of our indulgences anyway, so I might as well turn them into a reward system for a new habit. Yeah, no, I think it's great. as like a little add on thing because like you're saying, it's not like you're rewarding yourself saying, hey, I deserve this negative thing. But if I'm going to do this thing anyways, I might as well pair it with something positive to mm-hmm. counteract some of the some of the negative habits that you already have. Yeah. Is there is there anything else on failure? Because we're almost out of time that you want to mention before we go to the forward looking stuff. Like, what are you working on now? And, and they're get out of fail free card. <laughs> you know, um, just that. It's something you mentioned about like when stuff comes up, especially during meditation, it's like no matter what, you know, when that stuff comes up, just think of think of it as, hey, I'm I'm digging up gunk that was already there. So, dude, here's a special meditation. You take your arm, find your find your back and pat yourself on the back because, <laughs> you know, you, you're you're doing it even if it's not pleasant, you're doing a good thing. So that, that would be the last thing I would say on that. Awesome. I love it. So I don't know if you've uh, heard other episodes, but you do get what's called a get out of fail free card. As a guest, you can use to pursue something that you've wanted to pursue or a career, or hobby or interest, but you've avoided because of the amount of failure that's baked into it or, the, or the, how bad you'd be at it, whatever the thing would be, like whatever the resistance is, if you had a get out of fail free card so you couldn't fail at something, is there something you'd use it towards that otherwise you think this is too too much. I couldn't do it because of the amount of failure involved or how bad I would be at it. That is a cool, yeah, that's, that's a really cool question. I might as well just go out there uh, and and just give you the, uh, an answer. that makes me a little bit uncomfortable to give, but because like I said, I've been diving deeper into Taoist meditation. There's, there's something called like dream training where you actually kind of are able to wake up in your dreams and actually function consciously. And it's something where the lucid dreaming, right? Yeah, it's it's very similar to that. I mean, they might the terms might be interchangeable for, sure. for yeah. from what I understand. And it's it's happened to me several times in my life, but it's certainly not something that I can flip on like a switch. So that that would be it. That would that would be my answer right there. To be able to do that is strikes me as a pretty fun adventure. Yeah, well, it's uh is as big as your imagination can go, and it's also yeah. time that you don't already have access to really yeah. you know from a from a intentional space so yeah it'd be cool if you could uh you know go to bed and know you're about to embark on some kind of crazy adventure <laughs> yeah so yeah absolutely 
So what, what are you working on these days and what's your next big thing that you're going to start failing at? Or what are you, where can people find you, uh, you know, these days? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the, the, the path of failure continues, but now I'm, now I'm a little happier about it. I, I just published a book called The Standing Meditation. Um, it's on Amazon and it, I even have a website for it, thestandingmeditation.com. I think right now, just go straight to the Amazon page. But I, I put three years into that book. And speaking of failure, I took the entire first draft and I actually threw it out and started over again. So, but I'm very proud. Of, I'm very proud of the result. If if anyone like resonates with anything I've said, uh, I, I think they will love the book. And from there, um, I'm actually working on more books. So I'm already kind of like outlining my second one. So going from here, I, I really hope to just dedicate myself to what I'm writing in my books and and see if I can make a go at being like a full time author and and talk to folks like yourself. It's, it's been a blast. Well, that's awesome. Thank you for coming on here. I'm sure you're, you're going to do just fine because no matter what, I mean, you are an author. So it's whether or not you can make money do, doing it is one thing, but at least self-identifying as a creative or an author, a lot of these things, it takes time getting over ourselves in order to, yeah. you know, put yourself in that position, but you're certainly doing it and you're crushing it. So oh, thank you. Uh, I wish you all the success with uh, with the book. I can't believe throwing away a first draft sounds like it'd be a pain in the ass, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> looks like you made it through just fine. And, uh, and yeah. I certainly put in the show notes, uh, all the links to those things. And I appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Ben. I was honored to be here. Appreciate it. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel, yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over five hours of in-depth video lessons, plus it comes along with my master workbook, which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.